home listeners, it's me, Dr. J, your friendly neighborhood internal medicine doc. Hey guys, Dr. Santosh here, pediatric infectious disease doc and sometime researcher. And we are offering an exciting promotion for all of you listening at home right now. Like, we're actually doing the social meds thing, kind of, sort of. We're old. This is exciting for us. If you like it when the two of us travel into your eardrums, then you'll love it even more when we infiltrate your eyeballs in a non-infective way. (laughs) We tried so hard to make this less creepy. (laughs) This is the best we came up with. For the first 500 of you hearing this message, maybe your lucky number 363, you can go to travelmedicinepodcast.com and uh, we made a thing. Dr. Josh made the thing. I edited the thing. And then together we put Produced the thing together. The thing. Yeah. And, yeah. And what That's is the, the thing? word? Producing. Yes. <laughs> and what is the thing? It's Around the World in 80 Plagues, a ebook form of one of our most popular running series. If you've ever wondered what sausages and facelifts have in common, this may also <laughs> be for you. If you're wondering right now, you might have to just go ahead and pause this and go click over to travelmedicinepodcast.com. And all we ask for really is your email. We will never spam you. We will never send you anything from an advertiser or anything on there. We just want to be able to communicate with y'all directly. And as our first mailing, we want to send you guys a copy of our free ebook. Once you've signed up for our mailing list, you'll get exclusive access to we haven't decided yet, but it will be awesome. (laughs) All we know is that it's going to be awesome. Absolutely. So at travelmedicinepodcast.com, once we have your email, you can tell us I will reach out to you, a real person, not a chatbot, and ask you, what do you like about our show? What else can we add on to make it even cooler? How many more plagues can we give you? So before all 500 digital copies are destroyed forever. (laughs) You do want one of these, by the way. It's not quite an NFT, but, you know, oh, yeah, it was one of the first downloaders. So go to TravelMedicinePodcast.com, get your copy of Around the World in 80 Plagues. We don't want to give too much about it away, but those of you who've been following us for a while will recognize all of the weird, gross, disgusting code words that we, you know, weaved in. If we're looking forward to hearing from you, we're looking forward to chatting with you. We're looking forward to being in your ears, eyes, and thoughts. Thank you all from the bottom of our hearts for listening. And, you know, thank you guys who take that extra step to go over to our website and sign up. We promise we will make it worth your while and bring you all of the medicine-y, travel-y goodness that you have grown to love. And let's get on with the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, guys and girls. The program you are about to hear will be both fun and educational, but it is not a substitute for medical advice. Although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. Hello and welcome to Travel Medicine. As always, I'm your friendly neighborhood internal medicine doc, Dr. J. Hey guys, Dr. Santos here, pediatric infectious disease doc and a researcher. I hope you enjoyed last week's not true season finale. That was a classic episode because I was driving cross country. (laughs) He really was. Why were you driving cross country, Josh? Why, Why did you travel all the way to the West Coast? To see Tay-Tay in concert. I mean, do, do yeah. you even Swift, bro? Yeah. So, unfortunately, Dr. Josh and I went on different days. But, y'all, Taylor Swift, Era's concert. Oh, my God. So good. So good. So good that Dr. Josh drove 3,000 miles <laughs> one way. And, and while Taylor had you know, the absolute tour of the summer and is single-handedly saving the U.S. economy. I've been bopping my head to another jam on the way back, a different song of the summer. Santosh, are you familiar with Planet of the Bass by DJ Crazy Times? (laughs) Stop. You're making things up now. That's (laughs) There's no DJ Crazy Times. Let me give you a selection of the lyrics, and then I'll tell you how it relates to our episode today. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> Life, it never die. Women are my favorite guy, sex. I'm wanting more. Everybody movement. <laughs> it's, it's it's basically oh, wow. every trashy Europop song from the 90s all rolled up into one and released. Uh, the full version was released today, which wow. is now stuck in my head. <laughs> I... That sounds amazing, and I'm going to have to listen to it 2,000 times on loop, aren't I? So it is what is possibly going to be dubbed the song of the summer. And as we're getting to the end of the summer and you know, a little bit past where we normally end our season, I figured we would cap off with a couple episodes. This one, 
which is, of course, as those of you listening at home may have figured out from how long it's taking us to get to the point, another one of our alternate weeks, which means it's time for Kermit Arms Up in the Air, Journal Club! Journal Club! Yay! Ah, man, I hope y'all are doing Kermit Arms, except for those of you who are listening in the car, uh, hands at uh, 10 and 2, or 9 and 3, or whatever they say now. I mean, you can raise one Kermit arm, just, you know, yeah. be careful how enthusiastically you wiggle. But this journal club is our, our summer session, which oh, yeah. is going to be all about uh, something important for a lot of people during the summer, getting the D. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, Josh, I, every now and again, you know, I feel like I don't have enough D. So I got to get outside, like, uh, you know, out in the public. And that kind of you're not going to get D if you stay locked up indoors, Santo. Yeah, you need exposure. You got to go you seek need... it out. Yeah, yeah, you got to expose to get the D. You don't want to overexpose though; <laughs> that gets you into trouble. That that does. Yeah, there, you can actually get some. You can get excess D. Uh, and now you can some people. Yeah. <laughs> some people make appointments to get the D, but that also carries risks, it, it which does. we'll discuss right because in there... this episode. Unfortunately, you can't just get the D. Most of the time, you got to get the UV with the D. <laughs> so let's talk about a couple studies for vitamin D. What were yeah. you all thinking? <laughs> you dirty, <laughs> dirty human beings. Get your minds out of the gutter. We are talking about our very favorite fat-soluble secosteroid. Colif calciferol, ergo calciferol. I think ergo calciferol. <laughs> yeah yeah. so yeah this is a micronutrient right josh it's it's not one of the big three you know fats carbohydrates and proteins that make up most of our calories and this this is one of our really important uh cofactors which actually is it turns into a steroid-like molecule and performs a lot of important functions in our bodies mostly what we think about is keeping our bones nice and healthy and strong and maintaining our calcium homeostasis so let's get into some of the new things that we've learned vitamin d may be able to do researchers found that vitamin d could actually help protect against atrial fibrillation and a regular heartbeat. Now, for a common vitamin, you know, for a common vitamin, uh, it's pretty (laughs) unusual and controversial. For starters, you get most of vitamin D not from the food you eat, but from the sun. During exposure to sunlight, a substance in your skin is converted to pre-vitamin D3, which then will in turn be metabolized in your body to become vitamin D. So So we actually synthesize it in the lower layers of our skin. We're like plants, y'all. We just need water and sunlight (laughs) to grow. Well, not (laughs) necessarily. So not necessarily. We can get it from our diet, um, but it has to be processed in this way. So anything when you get you know, calcium, vitamin D, if you take it as a supplement or if you're drinking your dairy or whatever it is, the pro vitamin does have to get to your skin. And then that beautiful UV light, specifically UVB, has to go and do this, you know, photosynthetic uh, conversion so that it beca- it starts to become active. So this first study found that it could help protect against AFib, but there is a catch, which we'll get to in a little bit. 
The study was conducted at the University of Eastern Finland over a period of six years, looking from 2012 to 2018. Trial in delightfully Scandinavian fashion was called the Finnish Vitamin D trial or fine. Fin D. (laughs) So they did talk about several other studies, you know, in the background and stuff. So vitamin D and omega-3 trial was vital. But yeah, this was this was a different one looking specifically at the arrhythmia in your heart, you know, the atria kind of fluttering rather than pumping purposefully. And whether or not you could treat it or prevent it, Josh, with They wanted to explore how vitamin D supplementation, something that a lot of our older generation takes, could affect cardiovascular disease and cancers. So the study looked at about 2,500 participants who were 60-year-old or older men or 65-year-old or older women. They were split Mm -hmm. into a total of three groups. The first group got a supplement of 40 micrograms per day, which is about twice the recommended dosage. The second group got 80 micrograms per day. So for those of you playing along, four times the recommended daily dosage. The third group got a placebo because this was a scientific study. (laughs) This was, Uh, and this was fully double-blinded. So the investigators didn't know which subjects were getting what, and the subjects didn't know what they were getting. Now, one possible confound is all the groups were allowed to take their personal vitamin D supplement if they were already on it, which is up right. to 20 so micrograms they, per day. So some of these doses yeah. may not be exact. Nice Over- to do that because you're, oh, sorry, you're, you're basically allowing kind of a, for a real world variable to stay in place. Over the course of this study, 200 participants, so just under 10% of the overall number participating, were diagnosed with atrial fibrillation. So when you break it down into those three groups we talked about, 76 of those new cases were in the placebo group, 59 were in the group that got 40 micrograms a day, and only 40 were in the second group that got 80 micrograms. So in other words, as the dosage went up, the risk of atrial fibrillation developing went down. And it ended up being about a third lower in all the high-dose groups. Yeah, this was, it was actually a pretty, you know, it wasn't completely statistically significant, Josh, but there was enough of a drop of in incidence of atrial fibrillation And then considering that these doses, so if people want a different uh, metric, they said like 1,600 international units per day or 3,200 international units per day. So side effects or, or the safety profile of that type of dosing for an elderly person is so benign that I'd say this was, you know, pretty worth the, the supplementation. Well, we and part of the reason they carried this out is that we know vitamin D deficiency ha- is associated with a higher risk of developing atrial fibrillation, but we didn't know if the converse was true, whether supplementing could actually lower risk. By and large, seems like it is. Now, we're going to get into our next study before we come back and talk about high doses of vitamins. And that brings us to vitamin D for, you're going to love this, Santosh, sunburn. Okay. Well, 
Okay, so you need the sun and the UVB rays in order to activate vitamin D. But you, of course, if you stay so, out too long in the sun, you can get sunburned. So, you, okay, hold on. Okay, go ahead. So Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine and University Hospitals Cleveland Medical Center for kids who can't read good and want to learn to be good researchers too. <laughs> 20 participants were put under a UV lamp to get a small sunburn on their inner arm. Then oh, okay. they were randomized. So... <laughs> yeah, they're just like, here, we're just going to, uh, we want you to put your arm here. We're just going to burn it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then what? Uh, okay. We're going to give you this pill. And they were then randomized <laughs> okay. to receive either a placebo or... 50,000, 100,000, or 200,000 IUs, that's international units of vitamin D, one hour after the UV exposure. So, you know, the time it would take you to drive home from the beach and then sent back mm -hmm. home. The team then followed oh, up okay, on the participants gotcha. at 24, 48, 72 hours, and one week after the experiment to see how the burns were faring collect skin biopsies and perform and perform further tests. So let's go back to that. Santosh, you're a grad student or perhaps a sure. intern trying to participate in research to get into a road specialty. Uh, oh, probably sure. derm given this study. <laughs> and yeah, of course. Yeah. You and you have to hold your arm under a UV lamp until you get sunburned. Then sure. you get a pill that is either a sugar pill or a massive overdose of vitamin D. And we'll talk about how sure. massive in a moment. Then yeah. you have to come back pretty much every day for a week. The first day, <laughs> one, two, three, and seven. So they yeah. can collect skin biopsies and look at your arm. This is more involved than even we do for like our yearly TB tests. <laughs> it's, it's a lot, but... What these researchers wanted to do is not just get a, a clinical picture of how the person burned um, with the supplementation or placebo. They actually did want to look at the histology, so what your skin looks like under a microscope. They wanted to measure, uh, you know, mRNA, so actual expression of uh mRNA and subsequently protein that were factors of skin inflammation and skin barrier repair uh, and, and see how people who had either vitamin D or placebo after the skin burn, how their inflammatory cycle actually proceeded based on this variable, you know, if they got vitamin D or not. And they found some pretty interesting stuff. So the participants who had received the largest dose, 200,000 international units, showed the most pronounced and longest lasting benefits, specifically less inflammation of the skin and less redness up to 48 hours after the burn, or as soon as 48 hours after the burn, I should say. Now, for those of you who have ever had a bad sunburn, that's a not insignificant change or relief. And they mm -hmm, also absolutely. found measuring gene activity in the skin samples 
participants with the highest levels of vitamin D in their bloodstream showed an increase in activity related to skin barrier repair. Uh, it specifically increased an anti-inflammatory level uh, popular among pirates called Arginase 1. <laughs> yeah, and likewise, these other pro-inflammatory cytokines. So when your skin gets damaged, right, your immune system is going to come to the rescue because it's going to say, oh, you know, burned and dead skin, clean it up, destroy it. So TNF alpha or tumor necrosis factor alpha is one of the things that's expressed. And vitamin D3, Josh, seemed to pretty strongly suppress at the high end of the dosing. So that that last group that got 200,000 international units, it really suppressed uh, the amount of tumor necrosis factor. And then another factor, INOS, uh, which is, you know, night the uh, 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 nitric oxide or nitrous oxide, sorry, uh, synthetase that produces, you know, INO that eventually causes vasodilation. So, you know, the, your blood vessels expanding to rush blood to that area so that immune cells can go and basically, you know, wreck the skin and repair it later on after they clean up the scar. So, you know, it, it looks like it was doing a pretty good job of in, like encouraging skin barrier repair and sort of suppressing this kind of bad inflammatory pathology, so to speak. Now, before you all go rushing out to start chugging gallons of milk or bottles of vitamin D supplementation, the team does note <laughs> yeah. the doses involved were extremely high. How high? Well, the Food and Drug Administration's recommended adult daily allowance is 400 international units. <laughs> 400 international units. Now, do you remember the lowest dose group who didn't get the placebo, Santosh? Yeah. 50,000. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So already... Uh, we're talking about an over, you know, 100x uh, multiplier of the total amount of vitamin D that you're supposed to get in one day. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. If you remember our other study, they got about 40 micrograms per day, which is twice the recommended dosage. Here we're working with yeah. a hundredth to a five hundredth of the doses administered. So yeah, yeah. That or no, not not a hundredth, but a hundred a hundred times or five hundred times. Yeah, absolutely. That of course leads to the natural follow up question, or what should be the natural follow up question. Gee, doc, what happens if I take a mega dose of vitamin D? What does toxicity <laughs> look like? Sure. Is there a mnemonic? Is there a mnemonic for it? You bet you're behind. <laughs> there is. <laughs> Before we get to this part, I should say that this was a single megadose in a controlled environment and everyone was consented and the risks and benefits were all looked at. If a person gets a single megadose like this, because vitamin D is fat soluble and goes through a series of metabolism in your, you know, in your kidney and your liver, it does stick around for quite a while. However, if you're able to not take 
you know, mega doses of vitamin D or you don't take mega doses of vitamin D for just a few days or up to a week afterwards, that mega dose will get out of your system. All right. Before anybody freaks out, all right, the folks who conducted the study, everyone was properly consented. The you know, the side effects of megadose vitamin D like this was well discussed and studied, and it was really well determined by a safety board that a single dose of megadose, I should say, like vitamin D like this is okay, as long as it is not continued, because then you will get toxicity. But if you have a single megadose and you take it and you allow yourself a few days out to about a week, then the this excess of vitamin d will eventually like work its way out of your system so we are about to find out what happens if you continue taking mega doses of vitamin d and dr josh will tell you this in the form of mnemonic so taking sixty thousand international units a day for several months is known to cause toxicity so you're right a single dose is not going to do that but should you be doing this every time you head out to get that beach bod or beach off? <laughs> no, because is there a mnemonic? You bet your sweet Aunt Fanny there is. And that <laughs> is too much vitamin D toxicity will cause moans, stones, bones, groans, thrones, and psychiatric overtones. <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Shall we go through each of those? Yeah, so moans are just a general fatigue, lethargy. Uh, You have to summon the wambulance because you're like, oh, I can't really do anything. And that could be because you've got painful bones from abnormal Mm -hmm. bone remodeling, from sucking up all that calcium. Yeah, yeah. So, because so essentially your calcium balance is going crazy and you're going to get, you know, calcium leached out of bones and then phosphate going in back and forth. And And that could cause you to spend more time on the throne with polyuria, (laughs) polydipsia, Uh and constipation. (laughs) Yeah, almost acting like diabetes. Right, where you're you feel like you need to drink a ton and then pee a ton because vitamin D affects your uh, electrolyte and water balance. But remember that calcium? Well, the most popular thing to form kidney stones is calcium, nephrocalcinosis. So there's uh, bones, <laughs> moans, stones, thrones, and you can even get with severe toxicity effects on the central nervous system. So, but just a few. So, you know, you get some psychiatric overtones. Yeah. (laughs) So commonly what you'll see is kind of apathy, like kind of eh, like flat, you know, like you're from Seattle in the 1990s kind of thing. Uh, Memory problems. And at extremes, Josh, it'll turn into like confusion and a little bit of altered status. Uh, You don't want to get there for sure. Now. We do see these types of disorders, not always with vitamin D excess, but what you're actually talking about is uh, your your calcium being out of balance. And calcium is really important for 
uh, your nerve impulses firing, right? So we do also see this in actual diseases like hyperparathyroidism, or if you have a bone cancer, like a malignancy. Uh, so when we're finding people with these constellation of symptoms, vitamin D excess is one of the things we think about. So we ask about supplementation, but we also think about some of these other diseases. And while you're thinking about those diseases now, we're going to take a quick break. (laughs) This is your second to last chance to go sign up for (laughs) our mailing list at travelmedicinepodcast.com, where you will get an ebook on 80 plagues specially created just to give to our subscribers. And uh, it'll make you among the smartest person in the room with all those fun facts that people love to share. And you're going to want to hear more about these because we do have some upcoming live appearances that uh, we'll be talking about at the end of the season or beginning of next. Yeah, and, um, and with that, I have to say it was an absolute pleasure to make this book. It is a labor of love. Uh, big ups to Dr. Josh for all of the research and writing that he did. Big ups to me for my editing. Uh, and it is absolutely gorgeous. You're going to want this ebook, folks. Please go to travelmedicinepodcast.com. And we'll see you in just a moment. 
Dr. Josh and Dr. Santosh, I only have one row of teeth. What's going on? Well, you forgot about baby teeth, you idiots. Yeah, so you have one row of teeth that grow in when you are a small child. And if you have ever seen, I know it sounds a little morbid, but an x-ray of a child or a... Uh, you know, a, an actual autopsy where you see the, you know, they open up the skull and show the maxilla and mandible of about a, you know, like a four or five year old. You see this really creepy, like extra row of teeth up, you know, in the skull, like, you know, just waiting to come in. And those are the ones that push your baby teeth out of the way and grow in as you turn into a big person. Yeah, your adult teeth bully your baby teeth. <laughs> bully so them cool. right out of the mouth but there is evidence that we also have the buds or capability for a third set of teeth dun, dun, dun. enter katsu takahashi lead researcher and head of the dentistry and oral surgery department at the medical research institute kitano hospital in osaka who says we can get humans to grow this third generation dentition. Yeah. Now, some of y'all out there might be like, why would you want to do that? (laughs) Because a lot of you probably listening to us have your adult teeth. They're healthy. They're fine. They're doing well. However, as we... But you won't always. Yeah. Is this the the episode where we like foretell everybody's doom? Is that what we're doing right now? <laughs> or just the doom Listen, of their folks, teeth? <laughs> for those of you playing along at home, there's a few things that make Dr. Josh distinctly uneasy. <laughs> One of them, perhaps the most well-known, yeah. is robots. <laughs> Artificial intelligence and robots. Another is clowns. And a third is teeth. There you go. Okay. Now, Takahashi found that mice lacking a specific gene had an increased number of teeth. Yeah. yeah. So it, it almost looked like there was a signal, a protein signal that was expressed uh, in the gums, etc., where you actually have the the beginnings of a teeth, right? Like the root and the pulp and, and the cells that are used to manufacture the bone and the outside enamel. Um, but it looks like that is actually suppressed by this protein. The researcher and his colleagues zoomed and focused in on a protein called USAG1, USAG, that uh-huh. seems designed to stop more teeth from growing. Let that sink in for a moment. Chew on that. There is a protein that stops you from endlessly growing teeth. Yeah. yeah. Or at least mice. (laughs) Yeah. In this mouse model, I believe there is a human equivalent. Okay. And Josh, I will say it, it, it wasn't originally found in teeth and in the mandible, right? USAG1 is actually uterine sensitization associated gene one, right? So this was actually demonstrated in a completely different part of the body originally. Now imagine wombs growing endless amounts of teeth. Oh, stop it. Oh my God. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're imagining that, you might be Japanese, like <laughs> researcher Takahashi. Yeah, yeah. Who helped to develop a neutralizing antibody that blocked USAG1 and then managed to get mice born without teeth to regrow said teeth. In other words, in a exciting or horrifying development, depending on your perspective, they mm -hmm. have developed the very first tooth regrowing treatment in the entire world. Right. So this was done with really cool genetic tools. Um, not CRISPR, I don't think, originally. But... Josh, what they were originally able to do uh, a few years ago, actually, was actually just knock out the gene USAG1 in mice, and they they could they didn't knock out both of the uh, alleles; they just knocked out one of them, and they found that those mice were always growing these supernumerary teeth, right? So you can't go around just knocking out a gene in a person, you know, to help them regrow a teeth. So they said, all right, well, what if we manufacture a USAG1 blocker? What if we can actually just stop it from functioning? And in this case, they went for an antibody. And once they block it, teeth just start growing. But only a third <laughs> set. We're not sharks, people. Don't get excited. Right. We, we don't seem to have the tissue to have you know, tooth, like row after row after row. So this doesn't give you license to go on just like down a bunch of pop rocks, you know, rot out your teeth and then just boom, your new teeth will grow. In. I'm sorry to destroy all your boxing and hockey dreams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Around one in a hundred people has an incomplete set of teeth from birth, a condition called anodontia. I'm actually one of those people. I'm playing oh. with my false tooth right now because I was born without one. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Genetic factors are thought to be one of the driving factors in this, specifically in people lacking six or more of their adult teeth. Uh, ones that never came in, not ones that they may have lost through, shall we say, recreational activities. Right. So... Just that they never came in, basically, rather than getting punched in the face. Initially, Takahashi's 2-3 growing drug will be targeted at people suffering from anodontia, but if it's successful, it can be used in all sorts of dental treatments. Cavities damaging a tooth beyond repair? Screw it! Let's just grow a new one. Lost a tooth <laughs> or several in an accident? Get that shark mouth over here. We'll just get some third-gen teeth to grow. <laughs> So it really shouldn't be thought of that way. As you said, Josh, we have the, you know, as humans, we have the budding capability to craft maybe a third row of teeth where you could block this particular protein and kind of turn on the signals to activate that bud. But if you have a person who repeatedly puts their teeth in danger, I, I think they're going to end up a little bit disappointed. We still have a ways to go before we can just grow any number of teeth at will. Ways to go implies we can do it. Just keep on regrowing teeth <laughs> endlessly, sprouting it's, out of your face, true. falling as you talk, just dropping out of your mouth. Uh, what is the matter with you? Stop. Oh my God. Gross. Let's move on yes, to our yes, next and final yes, story. Santosh. Do you mm. or someone you know enjoy getting manicures? 
I do. I live in a house with uh, three women, uh, one wife, two daughters. And yeah, these folks love to get their nails did. Do they do gels on their nails or just regular polish? They have most often gotten regular polish. My older kiddo did go out and get the uh, the gels, much to my wife's chagrin. She was not happy about it. <laughs> she was more put off by uh, the fact that our kid plays piano. And this is semi-permanent stuff that not only, you know, coats the nail and now you can't play piano properly because it's sticking out kind of a thing, but when you take it off, it actually underneath your healthy nail, your regular nail underneath where the gel sits, it causes quite a bit of damage. Well, I have another reason for you to maybe not do gels or at least not to dry them using UV nail polish dryers. Okay, so I had to learn about this because I've I've actually never done like mani-pedi and, and actually seen this, but I, my daughter showed me. So you put the layers of gel on there and this stuff is quite, you know, it's viscous, but it stays as a liquid. But in order for it to polymerize essentially and turn into a hard shell that stays as a glossy, uh, you know, nail polish kind of a thing, you put your fingers into a miniature tanning bed, <laughs> a hand-shaped tanning bed, and it's 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 not a large amount or or time of UV light, but um, it's a fair amount of time. I think they have to sit there for like five ten minutes. Uh, or I hope it's not that long, but it's it's for some period of time while air circulates around and dries it, and then the UV light bombards the, the gel. Well, the authors of a new study have shown that use of ultraviolet nail polish dryers for just a single session can cause 20 to 30% cell death, while three consecutive sessions cause between 65 to 70 percent of the exposed cells to die and this came up when one particular dermatologist was flipping through medical journals and found that people who get gel manicures specifically gel manicures very frequently such as beauty pageant contestants are reporting a higher than usual number of cases of very rare cancer in the fingers which first clued him in that something may be contributing to it. Oh, wow. So So the process... We're thinking about about the same kind of thing like skin cancer, right? But just um, limited to the cuticles or something like that? Yeah. So you mentioned tanning beds for your fingers. Tanning beds use a different spectrum of UV light, about 280 to 400 nanometers. And we've already had studies that show they are carcinogenic. Doesn't mean that everyone who gets in a tanning bed is going to develop skin cancer, but the more often you use it, the higher your risk. Now, nail polish dryers use a different spectrum of UV light, a bit higher, 340 to 395 nanometers. So not as radioactive is not quite the right word, not as high energy as tanning beds. Okay. But still you enough to cure the chemicals in gel man in gel manicures. When the researchers exposed three different cell lines to these 
nail bed spectrums. They chose adult human skin cells or keratinocytes, human mm-hmm. foreskin fibroblasts, which are some of the uh, skin creating cells, and yeah. mouse embryonic fibroblasts, just so we have a mouse model. They were exposed to two different conditions, acute exposure, which was a single dose, or chronic exposure, which was several repeated doses. And all of them ended up showing cell death and or mutation. So people who are getting frequent manicures may want to consider using just a cold water bath to harden the gel or something other than UV light because tanning beds for your fingers are about as bad as tanning beds for your body. Absolutely. Yeah. This this is something that we've known for a very, very long time. Um, for those of you who don't know and you know, asking why do we always say, hey, wear your sunblock, wear your sun protectant, that kind of a thing, especially in this day and age of climate change and it's getting much hotter and we're getting a lot more you know, reflected and direct sun exposure. So what ultraviolet light does ultimately, is it's just the right wavelength to get between our molecules of DNA and break it, okay? And a certain amount of this does happen all the time from various factors, but UV tends to be, you know, on the higher end of DNA damaging substances or or exposures, however you want to put it. So if your cell experiences enough of those DNA breaks, it starts to actually initiate a shutdown process and say, hey, I'm way too mutated and out of whack. If I keep proliferating, I'm going to turn into cancer. And we actually have mechanisms in place that are evolved to just shut the cell down and kill it. And so the cells die. Now, if the cell, when it gets to a point of division, if it escapes all of those checkpoints, right? So now you've got the development of a mutant cell, which can potentially proliferate out of control. And this is cancer. So that's how UVA causes cell death or can be carcinogenic. This does not mean every person who uses a UV nail lamp will develop skin cancer. That isn't, we're not trying to fear monger over here. Yeah. The risk is cumulative and depends on the frequency and duration. However, it is important to note that it does carry a risk. So again, if there are alternatives to drying those gel nails, they may be worth looking into if you're somebody who gets your nails did frequently. Right. And unfortunately, Josh, we do have to put out a little bit of warnings too, because we do know that folks who like to do their home mani-pedis as well can sometimes buy these little devices that can do what they call like, you know, gel dryers or something like that at home, which do use UV light. And there are pretty heavy regulations here in the United States where we are in terms of what types of UV emitters that could be sold. So it's fairly well regulated, but that's not true all over the world. And of course, people can import, you know, any pretty much anything that they want uh, with uh, online stuff anymore. So please do not use these at home. If you are the type of person who likes to get their manicure, pedicure, you know, once a week, once every two weeks, you are exposing yourself to a lot of UV radiation if you're going to get your nails did and you're using the UV dryers. So 
ask your neighborhood-friendly aesthetician to please use a different method of drying your gels. And that's it for our summer session, our final journal club of our ninth season. Yay! We, We have one more episode, our season finale coming up, and I'm going to be honest with you, we haven't quite decided what to do yet. <laughs> we have a couple really good ideas. So for, as a special bonus, for those of you who have signed up for the mailing list, I'm going to send an email out to you later this week with a couple of the topics, and I will let you vote on one. And whatever gets the most votes is going to be our season finale for nine. So now you have two incentives to sign up. One is after next week, no more copies of the ebook will be available. Those of you who got it will have the special limited editions. And you get to help guide what we put up for our episode. Look at yeah, you making y'all, progress. Y'all get to tell us what to do. Look at your power. Look at your strength. So that's it for this week. As always, we love to hear your comments, questions, and feedback. This show is produced by me with a lot of help from Dr. Santosh and friends. Our theme music is composed by Rachel Leisure. If you'd like to support us spiritually, emotionally, or financially, links to do that are in the show notes, along with links for further reading. And until next time, as always, keep a song in your heart, soap on your hands, a shot in your arm. Stay out of direct sunlight. You know, get that vitamin D, but wear some sunscreen. And when you've done all of that, spin a globe, pick a place, and set off to have some happy travels. Bye, everybody. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.